0: Hi, I'm Bruce Bartow, the chaplain here at Kim Ray, and we are doing a series that I have called Foundations, and today we're gonna look at another uh, lesson in that series, so let's jump in. plan and how he's making us in his image and getting to know God and what kind of person he is his character tells us what we're becoming because he's conforming us to his image even now through Christ but also we walk by faith we don't trust someone that we don't know so getting to know God is very important it's really a paramount issue in our growth as a child of God because maturity is the goal. He's bringing us, the Bible says, to the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ. Well, that's gonna take a while. (laughs) We won't get there overnight. Um, And one of the problems we deal with is a sin problem, uh, doing those things that are not consistent with the nature and the character of God. Um, And we develop that in this world, being independent from God, because we are actually created to be dependent beings, dependent upon God. Uh, there was a period of history from the Garden of Eden until Noah when we looked at how God left man to himself, not so he could find out what we would do, but so that we would know. And it says that all, the, all the intent of man's thoughts were only evil continually before the flood came. And so uh, we needed to realize that our best efforts were always down and uh, not what God intended for us. And later. He introduced the law into man's experience. Again, the law was there like a bright light to show us the reality of our condition uh, before God uh, when we try to do things on our own. You know, At one point, even after the law was given, when they had entered the promised land, it said that uh, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Well, if I was perfectly conformed to the image of Christ and always thought like he did, that'd probably be okay, but I don't. And neither do you. So, uh, this idea of learning to think and and choose the way he does uh, is really important. We're to take our thoughts captive and walk with him by faith, trusting that his um, way and his reasoning is the best. And that was the next chapter. is all about faith and what does that look like. Then after that, we talked about the scriptures and how the types and allegories and the shadows and the parables and all that kind of stuff, even in the Old Testament, uh, signify a lot of New Testament reality, like the lambs that were sacrificed signified uh, the death of Christ on the cross and so forth. Well, again, this week's lesson is about keeping the main thing the main thing, because I found over the years that it's easy to get distracted and get wrapped up in some detail and forget the objective. What's really going on here? What's, what's important? I'm going to read you a little passage here that I think illustrates it very well. In Luke chapter 10, it says, now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, Jesus did, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know, Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. She was just fixing dinner and getting ready for all the guests that were in her house. You know, Jesus and his disciples and all of that. But she kind of lost sight of what was really the big, big important picture there. And I have done that so many times—get wrapped up in something going on and I forget God. I forget what He's doing. I forget about His Spirit within me. I forget about the truth I've learned from His Word because I get wrapped up in some detail. Again. <clears throat> we made the point a couple weeks ago that knowing God was paramount. It's very important. Uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures that have been extremely meaningful to me in helping me realize the importance of knowing God. In John 17, 3, and John 17 is an interesting chapter. It's in a, the whole chapter is a prayer. Jesus prayed at the night that he was arrested to be crucified. Uh, he was in the upper room with his disciples. And the third verse of John 17 goes like this, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So Jesus is talking to his father. We're getting to kind of listen in because John wrote it down for us. And Jesus, as an expression of Knowing what God is doing, His Father is doing, and what that means to us expresses something that I didn't know for years. Eternal life is going to last forever, Yeah, it's going to be in heaven, but what eternal life is is a relationship, a relationship of knowing the Father and the Son, and He also gives us the Spirit to live within us to facilitate that relationship so eternal life if jesus wasn't there if if we're not with god that's not eternal life even if it was in heaven (laughs) if god wasn't there it wouldn't be heavenly it would not be a great place to be so it really is about this intimate relationship with him Uh, galatians 4 9 interestingly enough we talked about the law a few weeks ago and how god introduced that and It's really easy to think that, well, God gave us that to make us righteous and help us do everything right, so we'll be acceptable. When in reality, even before that, righteousness was always based on faith, like Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. Well, the Galatian church was being told that now that you're a Christian, now that you're saved, now that Jesus is your savior and you've believed in him, you have to keep the law in order to be a good Christian. And this is what Paul told them among other things. In Galatians 4.9 he says, but now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by Him, how is it you turn back again to the weak, worthless things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? So they were going back to something that really was weak. You know, the Bible says that by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It wasn't there to save us. It was there to show us we needed to be saved. And so he's encouraging them not to slide back into that because it would enslave them to a life of walking literally after the flesh. Because another verse in Galatians says, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? An outward performance on our part does not make us mature in Christ. And he's telling them that in Galatians. So it's really all about knowing Him. Now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, why do you wanna go back to something that doesn't work? And that known by God is really important. You know, the the only words, or the the words you most don't ever wanna hear are depart from me, I never knew you. And it's not about I knew you existed, it's about a relationship that God has with us and we have with Him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. All right, we also talked about the scriptures, you know, last week, Uh, but it's important because it's real easy to slip into a, almost an academic mode when you're reading and studying the scripture. Uh, Keep your scripture study and reading relationship focused. I think that's really important. John 5, 39 and 40 says, and he was talking to the Pharisees, by the way, and the scribes. The scribes pretty much had the Bible Well, they did. They had it memorized from cover to cover, uh, the Old Testament. They could write it out from memory. Uh, They were really perfect in this. And he told this group, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and yet you are unwilling to come to me that you might have life. So studying the scriptures is not about a book we learn so we can get the rules down pat and stay up with all the requirements of being a good Christian, it's about getting to know God. Um, Because in the scriptures, he introduces himself to us in ways that uh, because we don't have Jesus standing here present, uh, we get to read about him. But then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living in us helps us understand those things. So it's really easy to get lost in the details and lose sight of the objective. I mentioned that a minute ago, things like church involvement, good works, nothing wrong with those things. But like Martha, you can get wrapped up in the details and lose sight of what really matters in this moment. You know, regardless of where you are and what you're doing, that's a moment that you can have a relationship with the living God. You know, sometimes I, I think about uh, difficulties and how I can get distracted from God, but a lot of times when they get really difficult, then I run to God for help. Uh, Some of my worst times to forget about God and and just kind of live my life is when times are good, you know, but let's look at a couple verses here in Philippians four, six, and seven, it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything grab all your attention, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. All right, so no matter where you are or where I am, we have the opportunity to focus on him. Now, that's my biggest struggle every day of my life. I think I'd probably be a poster child for ADD if they even knew what it was back when I was a kid. <laughs> the I can get so distracted by what's going on around me, so focused on something I'm doing that I forget that I've got the living God not just with me but in me. Now he is with me, he said, when the Spirit comes, he'll be with you and in you forever. So both are important, but I can forget about that. And I may be up against a problem with a relationship or fixing my car or whatever. You know, I can ask God to help me with that. And I can tell him about how I'm feeling about the situation. And he can help calm me down and give me peace that really is unexplainable beyond comprehension. And I find that when I'm at peace, I'm more likely to discover a solution. I'm more likely to hear from him, more likely to trust him in the moment. So, you know, it's easy, even in good things, to get really distracted. And what are some things that might cause us to pull away from God? Now, you can't leave him if he lives in you. He's never going to leave you because he promised that. Um, But things like Tig. There was this guy named Elijah, and one day the Lord told him to tell the king it wasn't going to rain, and it didn't for over three years. And then uh, Elijah, uh, three and a half years later or so, God shows up and says, go show yourself to the king. And he said, you know, the king wants to kill me. That's all right, I'll take care of you. And so he goes and shows himself to the king, and they, they set up really a contest. They said, meet you, King, you meet me on the mountain tomorrow with your religious leaders and I'll be there representing God and we'll offer sacrifices to our gods and the one that answers is the one that is the true God. Well, the prophets of Baal, uh, Ahab and his followers and his wife Jezebel worshiped Baal rather than the true God and he had 400 priests up there and prophets and they were all up there Uh, And they built two different altars, and he let the the prophets of Baal go first. And all day long, they're hooping and hollering and praying and cutting themselves and having a big rigmarole trying to get God, their God, the God of Baal, to put fire on the altar because that was the deal. Their God, whichever God provided fire, just boom, there it was. It just lit by itself. Well, nothing happened. So the day's about to end. And Elijah, it's his turn. He's just got a little bit of time left. And he, uh, he has him pour lots of water all over the altar until it is drenched. And there's a little moat around it, and that's filled up with water. And so here's this soggy mess laying there. And he just says something simple like, Lord, please send the fire so these people will know this, that I did this because you told me to and they'll know that you're God. And boom, fire fell out of heaven. It consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the stones of the altar, and all the water disappeared. That was the end of it. And then he kills the 450 prophets of Baal, and then he takes off and runs all the way back to Jerusalem, which is nearly a marathon from Mount Carmel, where they were. And when he gets there, Jezebel says, I'm gonna kill you. And so he goes out in the wilderness, and he's he's tired. He's hungry. He's worn slick, even though everything has been great. And he says, God, just kill me. My life isn't worth anything. And he falls asleep, and an angel wakes him up and feeds him. And he falls asleep again. angel wakes him up a second time and feeds him again with some heavenly food, I think. And then he says, you got you got a 40-day journey in front of you. Take off. And so he became so fatigued by what was going on around him, even the good stuff, that his hope, his faith, a lot of things were just felt really low, but God was kind to him and gentle with him and helped him sleep and get some nourishment and set him up for the next part of his journey. So fatigue, and you know there's an old acronym, HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, or all four of them, <laughs> sometimes our mental and emotional state isn't really reflecting our faith. And that can cause us to kind of pull back from God a little bit. Uh, External pressures can be another one. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, it says, and Paul is writing, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead." Now, here's Paul. He's traveling around the world. He's writing the Bible. He's starting churches. And he is so over, overwrought with the, the difficulties he was in. He was despairing of life. He had to, was he suicidal? Did he think he was going to die? Something about that was going on. But he found out that the solution was not trusting in himself. He had a good self, he was a believer, had the child of God and had the spirit of God living in him, but he was here to trust God. You know, God gave us a new self so we would not trust in ourselves, but so we would trust him. Just like when Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And so his faith grew in the person he could trust because he said, our faith was in God who raises the dead, was the next verse. Another thing that can cause us to kind of pull back from God uh, other than fatigue and external pressures would be sinful behavior. We all do things from time to time that are not consistent with the character of God in us. And we, God doesn't leave us, but we have a tendency to kind of hide. But the psalmist said, where can I flee from your spirit, Lord? And in Hebrews it says, in Hebrews 13:5, I will never leave you or forsake you. So you can't get away from God. But I think mentally, we kind of like the kid playing peekaboo. You know, we hide our face, so to speak. And we think nobody can see me because I can't see them. Kind of like the ostrich with his head stuck in the sand. But God's right there. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how we deal with that in just a second. Another thing that can cause us to pull away from God is failed expectations. Maybe something we have that we're trusting God for, we really desire him to do, and we expect him to do it. For some some reason we've, we've gotten the idea that God is and has to do this thing for us, and he doesn't do it. And sometimes that causes us to become disillusioned and pull away from God and think, well, maybe I'm just not good enough for him, or maybe he doesn't really love me or whatever. And emotionally, we, we isolate ourselves from God. But you can't get away from him. He lives inside if you're his child. So there's this guy in the Bible named Naaman, and he was a leper, and he came to the prophet. Elisha to be healed of his leprosy. And uh, Elisha didn't even go out of the house to talk to the guy. He just told his servant to go out and tell him to jump in the river, (laughs) go get in the river seven times on the seventh time you'll be healed. He got angry and he stormed off um, because Elisha did not come out and do what he thought. Because he said, I thought surely he would come out to me and call on his God and wave his hand over the leper and I would be healed he didn't do any of that stuff that I expected him to do. Well, one of his servants said, well, if he asked you to do something really, really hard, would you have done that? Why not do something really simple like get in the river seven times? So he stopped and he got in the Jordan River because he said, you know, the rivers we have in my country are a lot better than, he wasn't even an Israelite. He said, our rivers are better than the Jordan, that old muddy thing. So he gets in there on the seventh time, he comes up and the leprosy is healed. So sometimes our expectations on God are different than his plans. And his ways are always right. Uh, I have a lot of good ideas that he's bypassed because his ideas are actually better than mine. And uh, so that's part of that learning to trust him no matter what he chooses to do. So what are some actions that can help us regain and remain engaged uh, with God our Father? Well, one is a thoughtful use of time. I can get distracted and go off on a, a tangent with my time and effort and energy and my thoughts especially, and not really be using that with good focus. In Ephesians 5, 16, 15 and 16, it says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Now, I believe you can become overly focused on how you're using your time and not be able to relax and enjoy going fishing or sitting on the porch, drinking some tea. You know, it's okay to do those things. In fact, it's, it's important that we relax and get away. You know, one day he told the disciples, come apart and rest a while. And I always thought later, I, I realized that if you don't come apart and rest a while, you just come apart. <laughs> always being trying to, you know, churn it up for God. So it's okay to rest. Even Jesus encouraged the disciples to do that. But even in our restful time, keeping a God focus, is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's one of my biggest struggles because, like I said, I get distracted by a lot of things. But his goodness doesn't leave me. Um, He always draws me back, regains my attention, reaffirms his love and his mercy and his kindness and his wisdom and all those things that he is and brings me back in line with what's important. Another thing that can really help us is trusting God in all things, especially the ones we can't control. I don't know about you, it's easy to trust God when He's doing what I want Him to do, and it looks like everything's going well, but when, I, when things get out of control and I have no ability to take control of it, and it's going ways I don't want it to go. Almost like Jesus saying, Father, if it be your will, this cup pass from me." He's looking at the cross and things are going the way he doesn't want them to go. But it's trusting God. He was literally having to give up control, Jesus was, of his life, his very life, to the Roman soldiers and the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests in that day. But it turned out to be salvation for all of mankind. So God does cause all things to work together for good. In Romans 8, 35 through 37, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? But in all these things, verse 37, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. He loves us. He is not gonna leave us or forsake us. You know, a lot of things in life, in the world, in our health, um, economies, governments, we have very little and really no control over and they can have a big effect on us one way or another, but we can put our faith in God who helps us. Like Paul said back in second Corinthians one, um, that we're despairing of life. We can look to the one that we can trust, who is even bigger than death itself. Another thing that can really help us refocus is prayer. Now, For a long time prayer to me was me telling God what he needed to know about my life so he could (laughs) help me. Well, God doesn't need to know anything about my life. He already knows it all. So maybe prayer I've decided is more about a conversation with my father that helps me focus on his intent, his goodness, uh, what he has in mind, what he's going to do for me and what he wants me to do. Uh, He wants me to love my enemy. Okay, it's going to take a lot of faith but because you're the one that told me to do it and you're trustworthy, I will do that. In Romans eight sixteen, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The biggest thing he wants us to know is we're his kid and he will never forsake his children. Another verse in Romans 8, verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words." So when you, like I have so many times, when we don't even know what to tell God, it just hurts and we're confused and we don't know what's going on. You know, just take my life like Elijah said. Uh, It's not even worth living anymore. God knows and understands that and the Spirit is taking our emotions and our feelings, and he's, he's which is kind of odd, but since all three of them, Father, Son, and Spirit work together, he is helping the Father. He is explaining all that. He's saying it in the way that needs to be said, even when we don't know how to say it. And so prayer is that intimate time with God when we just pour our hearts out before him and realize that he's not getting new information, but it's helping us unburden our heart And also, allowing His Spirit to testify to us. You're my child. I love you. That that path you're choosing is destructive for you. Let me show you one that you may not like the look of it, but it's actually going to be healthy for you. And He helps us in those times. So at that time, the important thing, as at all times, (laughs) is that we move towards the Father. Hebrews four. 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help to help in time of need. So whether it's a sin problem, a distraction problem, an external pressure problem, whatever it is, it could be an internal pressure problem. We didn't really talk about that today, we will sometime in the future, that I'm, I'm emotionally kind of distracted and pulled away and seeing myself all alone. That's the time that I need to boldly approach his throne because Jesus opened the door. He completely eliminated every barrier. Even things I do tomorrow are not creating new barriers because God took the sacrifice of Christ to eliminate all the barriers, all the sin, all the distance, and he brought us near by the blood of Christ. So, here's the last word of encouragement for today. Let God be God and people be people. A lot of times our expectations in people fail and we kind of put that on God. In Isaiah 45, it says, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. It occurred to me a while back that I have a tendency at times to put expectations on people that only God can fill. I've done it to my wife, to my children, to my friends, to pastors, co-workers, it doesn't matter. At some point in life, it's easy, sometimes on a daily basis, to look at someone and expect something out of that human being that only God can provide. Now, sometimes God provides what he gives us through human beings. But if there's no one present or those who are present just aren't being willing at that moment to let Christ live through them, that doesn't mean I can't receive what God wants me to have at that moment. They may be failing my expectations, but he never will. So here's a couple of quotes I'd like to leave you with. If we expect people to do what only God can do, they will fail and we will be disappointed because there are certain things only God can do. Prove to me who I am, what my worth is, my identity. People at times make me feel good, sometimes they make me feel bad, but only God can give me my true identity. If we expect things to do what only God can do, they will fail and we will be disappointed. So people can't do it for us, things can't do it for us. Sometimes things make me feel good, sometimes things make me feel terrible. The possessions I have and positions I fill, and all that kind of stuff. I call those things. So if we expect anything or anyone but God to do what only God can do, they will fail and we will be disappointed. So it comes back to knowing God intimately and trusting Him, letting Him be God in our life, and letting Him solve the struggles we have both internally and externally as we walk by faith in him, knowing him a little bit better every day. Okay, well, let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you that you have brought us near by the blood of Christ, that you have eliminated all the barriers. And that as we walk forward in life, not just in this world, but in the world to come for all eternity, we will get a chance to know you better. And in knowing you better, trust you more. Thank you for giving us a seat at your dining room table thank us you for bringing us into your family thank you for making us a joint heir with jesus christ and that you giving us have given us all things in him and it's in his name we pray amen